that's step one is you, you, you have to build that partnership. And hopefully like now that the iron is hot, strike it because if you have been supporting your business and organization through this pandemic, how do, how do you take advantage of that and make sure that now your voice is in the room? So make sure that now you're using your voice and you're saying some of these things. I think you, HR has a unique perspective to your point. We don't cause a lot of these issues, but we help solve a lot of these issues. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to We Are Only Human. I'm Ben Eubanks, your host. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. My background is in the trenches as an HR leader, and every time I get an opportunity to bring someone back, to chat with someone, it's regrounding myself. I'm making sure I've got a finger on the pulse of what's going on, and today is is no uh, exception to that. So I have Julie here from Televerde. She's the HR leader over there. We're going to talk about some of the things they're doing, how they're approaching the world, some of her perspectives on things, and so I'm just really excited to have her here. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So for the audience's benefits, would you take a second and tell us a little about who you are and what you do, please? Sure, absolutely. So I am Julie Salamone, and I am the Vice President of Human Resources and do head the HR function at Televerti. I have been here for about two and a half years already. So joined Televerti back in January of 2019 and have really gone through a whole digital transformation, changes, the pandemic. And before that, I have definitely worked in HR. I've actually worked in HR my entire career. I don't think very many people say that, but I went directly from college into HR. I knew what I wanted to do. And so I have pretty much done everything in HR from recruiting to HR data entry to everything. So um, just super excited to have a conversation about what's happening in HR and where we're going. Julie, I know that Televerdi has a unique kind of operating structure. Uh, you have employees around the world doing different roles, things like that, but you also have some employees that are, we'll say non-traditional, right? Will you talk about that structure a little bit? Because I'd love to hear for the audience to hear how the company's structured and how you're using this unique approach to talent to really enable you to meet your customers' goals and also to serve the workforce in a different kind of way. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the most fascinating things about Televerdi is that a portion of our workforce are incarcerated women. And so we have about 400 women who are incarcerated that work for us in a number of different positions. They do sales and lead generation all the way up to technical expertise roles within our IT department. We have people who work on the marketing team for Televerdi the communications team, the operations team, they manage campaigns for our clients and that's worldwide. And, and the majority of the women are in Goodyear, Arizona, but we also have a lot of women in Indiana. And then we just opened a engagement center is where they work from in a Manchester, England prison, Her Majesty's prison style. So it's our first opportunity to bring our business model over to the United Kingdom so we only, we, there's only eight women working in that location, but we've got that up and running. And then we also just recently started to open and expand another opportunity in Homestead, Florida. 
working with the Florida um, Department of Corrections. So it's, it's a great opportunity. And I think it's where my passion comes from with investing in people and investing in employees, because there's just only so many ways that you can reward people with those monetary things. And so how do you reward people? We grow skills, we grow your development, your opportunities. And when we work with the women who are incarcerated, it's our opportunity to really give them the tools that they need and give them self-esteem, give them things that they never thought that they were going to be able to do. There's so much talent in the prison system because there's so many different types of people in the prisons and giving these women the opportunity. They come to us, they have to go through, they have to apply. They come to us because they want to change their life. And so we want to give them that opportunity and help support them through that. And at the same time, they learn skills and they help our organization at which then helps our clients. So it's really fascinating. Um, it also though, it, they're considered to be employees of Televerdi. So they participate in all of our programs and we consider them when we consider how do we retain our workforce and population, there are actually opportunities in prisons. So the women have choices and we want to make sure that we remain an employer of choice and that we're giving back to them as much as they're giving to us. Thank you for sharing that. One of the things that I I come back to consistently because it's easy to forget in the, the hustle and bustle of the work we do, right? It's a, it's a treadmill of finding talent. It's always, how do we make sure and keep them? How do we connect with them and stay engaged and everything else? But it's easy to forget that behind every single employee is a person, is a life, is a family, is someone's hopes and dreams. And mm-hmm. so there's so many things wrapped together there. And it's easy to forget that because we're, we're focused on the nuts and bolts. And there's a lot of very tactical parts of the, the HR role. So thank you so much for bringing those pieces into the conversation. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's our passion at Televerdi. And I think it, it just leads us um, towards our mission and our vision of just transforming lives. So I've got to go back to something you said that I'd be curious about. I was one of those people too, that I got a degree in HR and went straight into it, straight out of college, because I, I knew I wanted to be in HR even as a kid. I just didn't know what it was called yet. Why in the world did you pick HR of this vast like universe of possibilities for careers? So I think it has a lot of things to do with my parents are educators and I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. (laughs) And so then it's, what do you do? And I had this job at uh, AMC movie theater. I joined them when I was a senior in high school and I became an assistant manager. And suddenly my friend says, Hey, I want to take the day off. Can you do orientation with the new hires? And I said, what? I I don't know what to do. And she says, all you have to do is put in this video and here's this book and you just read from the book and get them to sign the forms. And I was like, oh, okay. So I do orientation and thus an HR professional was born. I, I just was like, I can do this so much better. We need to change this. And then I built like a whole training program. And then the next thing you know, I'm over HR for the theater. And I was still in college and decide, and I was like, can people really do this for a living where this is all you do? Like, I don't actually have to manage this movie theater. I can do this for a living. And so I switched my major in college, my senior year and graduated and took an internship. And that was it. That is tremendous. I love that. I love the story there. What's funny is I tell people often who are trying to get into the space, do HR where you are. That's where, that's my like, always my advice because they're like, I can't get that job. How do I get it with, with that experience? Get some experience wherever you are. And that's a great example of that. I did something almost exactly the same, by the way, I was in working, I was cataloging engineering drawings, which makes my eyes want to bleed just saying (laughs) that out loud. And it was the, it was just the most mind numbing job, but 
they said, hey, we've got a new person coming in. And the way they trained them was four or five days sitting in a classroom, just throwing stuff at them. I'm like, hey, can I come alongside and be their buddy and help them out and guide them and point them to the resources that have been helpful for me? And over time, I started getting into that training side and it just excited me enough to want to do the HR stuff. So that's so fun to hear that, that you took that path. And I'll have to point back to, hey, don't take my word for it. Julie said it. Like she's the one that says <laughs> dive in that way. So that's great. Exactly. I, I give people the same. I say internships for sure. If you want to start, be willing to do an internship, try something. You never know. Yes. Yes. All too often it's, Hey, I want to go get my, my master's degree in HR and they haven't worked a day in it yet. And I'm always like, slow down, find out if yeah. you like it before you invest even more time and money and you can't get those things back. So make sure you like it before you go any deeper into that space. So okay, thank you. Thank you for uh, obliging me on that little side piece. Oh, there, no problem. I, just, I love the career stuff and that doesn't come up often enough to be able to, to really focus on it. So I want to, I'll have to like make sure and use that in a separate capacity too. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some of the big picture things today. Again, you're in charge of HR. You're thinking about all the things that are keeping you up at night, probably keeping your leaders up at night. And one of the things I tell everybody, it's kind of funny when an HR thing makes it to the news, it's big because usually it's, we're on our little bubble over here. And so everybody's talking about the great resignation, employees leaving, and it's becoming a conversation that, that is happening even in circles outside of HR. Why do you think that's happening now? I think I've pondered this because when I first heard great resignation. I was like, okay, good. A name because it's definitely happening. And I, I think it's a culmination of some just a worldwide shift in how employees are relating to and with their employer. And I think that, to be honest, it is a little bit of a civil protest to express like pent up frustrations, either with fears or challenges that they face, what's been happening with your employer in your employment situation. I think that it's pent up, obviously, given the pandemic and things along those lines. But I do think that it's, and, and then I think in the U.S., it's definitely amplified because of a lot of the social issues that we've been facing. And so I think it's just this culmination and this great coming together of almost a perfect storm within organizations. And I think that I want to say I'm not surprised. I wish it wasn't like this. It's one of those things that I, I go back and, and as I was preparing and thinking, what am I going to tell Ben? I, I was looking, at, I'm like, gosh, I've been, we've been talking about this since at least like September of last year. 2020, when we thought we were going to go back to the office and we thought we were going to be able to, you know, resolve all of this by the end of the year and on my notes and challenges and things that says the workforce is going to leave because they, and, and so how are we going to keep people here and, and what are we going to do? And I think that it's just this culminating event and, and I, it's worldwide, I think because of the pandemic, but I definitely in the U S it's something I've been watching as I move through my HR career and work in different industries and with different companies, resignations are not new news. They've been happening. It happens in the U S globally. It might not be quite so common for people to leave their job after a year and a half, two years, but I think it was a little bit inevitable. And I think like now we're facing the music of some of the decisions that companies have made. Facing the music is an interesting way of putting that. I'm thinking about, see, I was, you're talking about this is something we might have, like our processes as, an, as organizations globally, right? Thinking about this holistically, we'll paint with the brush of all the HR leaders listening into this. Overall, we know, even though we don't always agree with it, we don't always support it, we don't always want it to happen, our organizations make choices that are going to be counterproductive for engaging our people, for making them excited, make, making them want to come to work, all those things that make those decisions. And like facing the music makes me think of like suddenly we're reaping 
the reaping results of whatever we, seeds we planted there. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was thinking, sorry, so one of the things really quick I was thinking about that's before you got to that part though, is I was thinking about like the very, the micro, the psychology of it for individuals. We, when things are uncertain or, or we're not sure what's going on, like we cling to the only things that we have that we're sure. And again, in the last year, if you've had a job, just hang on to it because we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And now that we feel more certain about what the future holds day to day, that might change. We feel more certain. Suddenly it's okay. Now I can let go of that thing and pick something else. I don't feel attached to that or chained to that anymore. Yeah, no, I, and I think it's, I talk to people, obviously I talk a lot to employees that are leaving and I talk to my family, my friends, my network of other HR um, professionals. And I think if a company has ever said to someone, you're lucky you have a job which I think that said a lot during the pandemic, you just wrote your own story. You just wrote your, because yeah, okay. I would agree. Probably in 2020, a lot of us were very lucky to have jobs and that it was a very volatile situation, but that's not something you say. And that's not how you act with employees. And that's not how you treat people. And I think like, that's where human resources really has come a long way. I think with the pandemic, human resources, I have this meme I always refer back to. Of, I've shared it with my team a million times. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's these two little kids and they're in a grocery store and there's one little kid crouched on the floor and there's another one standing on its back trying to reach like the candy on the shelf. And it's a, and the kid standing on the back is all companies in 2020. And the kid crouched down on the bottom is, human resources. So it's, I think that it, we have made decisions as companies. These are the results of some of the decisions and and it's true. No matter what it is, you make good decisions and good things happen. You make decisions with the information and, and what you have, and maybe good things happen, maybe bad things happen. It's part of the risk of running an organization. And it, it's part of what is your strategy? How do you want to approach these challenges and, and what's happening? But I think that some companies may have lost sight of the fact that, you know what? Yeah, we were lucky to have a job. We were all lucky to be healthy. We were lucky to be able to log into the internet every day and that we had an infrastructure and all these other things. But you don't say that. Like That's the bottom of what Maslow's hierarchy of needs is. You're like, yes, I get it. But I remember that and somebody's going to remember it. And now it's 2021. Things are starting to hopefully <laughs> die down a little bit with regards to the pandemic. There are a lot more choices out there. Every place I go, I see a now hiring sign and people are like, you're lucky I'm still here, employer. And it's responding to that. And how do we set that up? Because I do think we, we can curb that. There's a lot of things that we can do as organizations, as leaders, as human resources to stop that mentality. And I think a lot of it is addressing it with leadership, making sure our leaders aren't saying things like, you're lucky you have a job, so just do it. Or you should be happy because of this or whatnot. I've talked a lot about displaying of empathy. And, you know, that's not how you display empathy. You're lucky you have a job. It's no, hey, I understand. Like, this is a really tough situation. And how do you talk to your employees about what their fears are, what their concerns are? A lot of organizations have changed. They don't look the same as they did in March of 2020. So what does that mean? How do you express that to your team members? How do you communicate that? How do you make sure that they understand and how they're coming along the journey so that they don't feel like they're forgotten or I have to go somewhere else to get you know these things that I want. And then I think really what it comes down to is I it's been, I really think for at least the past, I wanna say seven to 10 years, there has been like this shift 
and a lot of companies, this idea of people need to be treated well. People need to be treated like humans. They're not cogs in a machine. This is why we talk about flat organization structures and what does hierarchy mean in your companies and things along those lines. And I think like we are now at the crux where this is not just for the hip, cool tech startup companies to talk about. This is what every company should be talking about. And how do you, how do you provide that higher level of self-actualization? How do you know, how do you make people feel good about what they're doing and what they're producing for you? Sorry, I talk a lot. You're excited about it and I'm excited about it too. So we're going to have to have to trade the mic back and forth. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so pumped and I'm, I'm like, both, I'm cheering you on over here and also, yes, yes, and the, in my head, when you said that, be glad you have a job, I've heard a manager say that in the past. And she was talking about this, these employees that she didn't agree with the, the things that they were doing and, and they were, it was not a policy or anything else. She just didn't agree with their perspective on things. And mm -hmm. she, that was one of the things she said. And in this same organization, so this is happening right here in the same organization over here, I had just finished this little experiment, this study of one of our other leaders who had turnover that was like a 10th of that of the rest of the organization. It's like, what's going on over here in his space? Because that's something incredible. I can't wait to figure out what it is. I'm a, I'm a data nerd. I'm a research nerd. I love to figure, mm -hmm. figure these things out. And so I spent some time with him. And one small example is when someone starts, he gives them a letter for this very low paid, very difficult job that's going to require them a lot of emotional stress and everything else. He gives them a letter that says, I'm so glad that you are here, Julie, and you matter to me. You mean a lot to this team. I saw some things in you and that's why you're here because I think you're going to bring some great stuff that we don't have and help fill some gaps and really serve these clients that, that we love with dignity and respect and, and so on. Contrast that sort of sentiment with you should be glad you have a job. Mm -hmm. It becomes very apparent. Goodness, who would choose that other option, right? Who would choose that when you've got someone that says, I appreciate you for who you are and what you bring. And not only that, but I want to help you be even better than you are right now. Every one of us would jump at a chance to do that. I honestly, I'm like, I'm an HR over here and I'm watching this leader thinking, do I want to go and work for him just because he's that amazing <laughs> of a leader, but that it inspires people and makes them want to bring their best. And okay, I, I don't know why that's that exists sometimes. The other side of that, where managers think that or leaders think that, or, or they have that, it's a very outdated mentality that people just, mm -hmm. just appreciate the, the bare minimum thing. We're trading dollars for hours. They should just, just be happy with that. But that does happen. And I think with the pandemic, sorry, but I, I think with the pandemic, it, it shifted us back to this survival mode. And when you're in survival mode and you're in stress mode and, and whatnot, your more natural tendencies come to bat. And, and if you haven't you know, honed these skills as a leader and haven't done some of these things, you end up something comes out of your mouth, like you're lucky to have a job and it's, whoa, hold on a minute. It, it may be on purpose. It may not be on purpose. I'd like to think that most of the time it's just people need to be taught and they need to hone these leadership skills to develop these cultures within organizations. And I, I, we talk about them as subcultures within the larger culture, but yeah, I, I think it's, and these things have, we can't avoid them. You can't avoid a, a worldwide pandemic and the stressors that that caused, and you can't hide, hide from it. If that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Let, so that, that kind of extends us into the next thing I want to ask you, because as HR leaders, I don't know about you, but I have been guilty of, oh, there's something extra to be done. I'll just take that on. I'll put that on my shoulders. I'll take the extra burden. I'll just, we'll make that work. We're the first to say that 
the example you gave earlier, by the way, perfect example of that, right? The, the, the meme thing. Mm-hmm. Last year, my favorite saying was when, whenever I'd see someone say, thank you to the essential workers, thank you to, I'm like, and thank you to the HR people who recruited and trained and make sure they get paid. Thank you to all of you because no one. Yes. That. <laughs> so we are the first to take that on ourselves. But when it comes to making these changes happen, like you're talking about, many of, some of the issues are not caused by us and they aren't owned by us and they can't be solved by us. So talk about how you get managers involved in this, whether it's helping them to see the vision or helping them to build the right skills and the right tool sets so they can do this. What are the, how can people solve for that? Because this thing you're talking about for us, it's right now, it might feel abstract. And for some people listening to this, it's, wow, they can picture that manager in their head who would say that to someone. And how do we help to solve I think I'm lucky to be part of an organization where I feel like I have a partnership with the business. And I think that's step one is you, you, you have to build that partnership. And hopefully, like now that the iron is hot, strike it. Because if you have been supporting your business and organization through this pandemic, and it might've been in a tactical way, it might've been we're processing COVID tests. We're making sure people know what the policies are. We're doing some of these things, but that's partnership. And how do, how do you take advantage of that and make sure that now your voice is in the room? So how, make sure that now you're using your voice and you're saying some of these things. I think you, HR has a unique perspective to your point. We don't cause a lot of these issues, but we help solve a lot of these issues. Why? Because we have the ability to look at the entire organization across all levels, all departments, all roles, and have the ability to sit in a room and say, CEO, C-suite team, leaders of teams, this is what's I, what I'm seeing. And I have a direct connection and a direct voice of the people. And I'm here to tell you what I think needs to have happen. And I think that it's developing a strategy and a plan that is based with the, with the person in mind. It's getting the teams to invest in the employees. And investment is, yes, obviously, monetarily, people, not a lot of people are working for free. Some people do. We need to invest monetarily and things along those lines. But it is, how do we as an organization invest in our employees? And I think it's training. I think it's development. I think it is sitting down. And to your point, you have to use data. And because when you're talking to an operations person and, and you're like, they feel it, it, that only goes so far with some of the, the leadership is where's the hard data. And to your point, I can see your team has 25% more turnover than another team. Let's talk about why that's happening. Guess what? I talked to a couple of people that were leaving your organization. Here's what they were telling me. Here's how we, what do, how do you think we can solve these things and get them involved and in helping to come up with their own solutions? A lot of times, maybe they don't even realize, oh my gosh, I have 25% more turnover. Whoa, that's not good. I don't like that idea because I don't think any leader or even team member, anybody starts off with, gosh, I really hope I suck at this. It's, it's, I want to do well. So give them the tools to do that. And as HR, I think we own the tools or, or we have the, the quivers and we know when to use them. And I think like we need to not be afraid to tell people you need to use your tools. You need to do this or this is not working well. And just sitting back and watching it happen, I think is a disservice, not only to the organization, but to the HR industry. That's why I'm not willing to throw up my hands and be like, yep, great resignation. Okay, they're going to leave. No, we, we need to stop this because it, that's not okay. And that's, 
I'm glad you brought it back around to that at the end there, because one of the things that comes up pretty regularly in the research and in conversations, people don't leave, organizations leave managers, and that's been a longstanding kind of thing people believe. There's all kinds of data to back that up. There's a study that I, I love to cite um, from a couple years ago. This is when you look at all the stuff that we can do as HR leaders, all the arrows in our quiver, to use your metaphor, right? All the levers we can pull is my metaphor. All these things we can impact from benefits to comp to the training pieces, all these things that accounts for statistically about 30 to 40% of someone's satisfaction on the job. 70% mm -hmm. of that depends on their relationship with their leader and how well they lead them, how well they care for them, how much they pay attention to them and support what they want to be and what they want to do. So we, we, I love that you're bringing this, bringing that into this leadership component to it and making sure we're enabling our managers because for those out there that think, I can do this myself if I just work hard enough, if I just buy enough tools, if I just pour enough time into this, or if I get enough people on my team, like those things are never going to solve this. If someone doesn't have the right tools as the manager and they're not sure. Mm -hmm. And as even some of the examples you get, like they don't might not even know how they mm -hmm. compare relative to others. All those things help us to tell a better story and to really enable them to connect with their people. Because in the, the day, like great resignation, HR is going to report the data. We're going to tell you what happens after it's done. But mm -hmm. before it happens, we have the chance, as you're pointing out here, Julie, we have the chance to say, this is, we don't have to just assume this is going to happen to us. That can happen to them. But here's how we're going to face it. Here's how mm -hmm. we're going to plan for that. Here's how we're going to challenge that as a leadership team, locked arm and arm, not a, uh oh, that's an HR problem. Good luck solving that one, Julie. I, you know, figure that out and let us know how it goes. That's a, mm -hmm. we shouldn't be facing it that way. And some people, again, might feel that way organizationally, but you bring in the data, you bring these this together, bring this to, to life for them, then they're gonna they're gonna buy in, they're gonna have a conversation and allow you to to play your role as an enabler of performance for the company. Yeah. And even if you feel like maybe my leadership team is not hundred percent on board, does that stop you from going to these managers or going to employees? And we're conducting stay interviews. We're having conversations with people. People are choosing to leave, but you're not. Why? You seem really happy in your role. You seem really happy with what's going on organizationally. And how do we emulate that for other people and make sure that other people have the same experience? And, and you're not going to be able to solve it all, right? I mean, people will always leave jobs. It's, it's what happens. But I think the other thing too is what we focused on a lot at Televerti is career pathing opportunities to advance and to move forward so that they, you don't feel stuck. You're not just lucky to have a job where you want to build your skill set. We're going to teach you skills. We're going to give you opportunities to try other things. And, and I think that goes a long way too. A lot of people are like, I just want a chance. I really want to try this. Can I try this? And we're a smaller organization, but we try to give as many opportunities as we can for people to, you know, experience other things to, even if maybe you can't go directly, we were talking about HR and how do I get started in HR? Even if you can't go directly into HR, but I can give you opportunities. Do you want to shadow somebody? Do you want to mentor, be mentored? How do you want to approach this? And that is intrinsic value that I think people get from their work environment. It's, you know what? They care about me, not just for what I'm producing for them today, but what can I do for them in the future? Or maybe if it's not even them, they care so much about me, they'll give me skill set, and I might go get another job somewhere else. But we did it with the intention of we want to make you better. We want to make you succeed. We did some research earlier this year and found that about nine in 10 individuals, workers have left the job because they said, I did not see a, an opportunity to grow or develop in front of me. Over the course of their career, at some point, they've left the job because of that. That's been a big driver. And yet we asked that same audience, for those of you who did leave, would you have stayed 
if they had just painted a picture of what this could be, of what opportunities were ahead of you. And 88% of those are like, yes, I would have stuck around. I would have mm -hmm. gladly stayed there if I had seen some sort of path. And I'm glad you brought that piece up in, in the conversation. One of the things I'll encourage the people listening into this to do is even if you are doing, as Julie just said, like you're, you're helping people to think about this, you're trying to find opportunities, even if you're small, like being flexible at, at how you approach that, make sure people are aware of that because the people that left said, I didn't perceive anything there. I didn't see it. It could have existed just over here, but no one made me aware of it. So make sure that we, we do all this great work. And sometimes we do a bad job of communicating that. We need, more, we need a marketing person on our shoulder saying, hey, here's how you tell everybody how this is going to impact them, or here's the benefits, or here's how you promote that instead of it being just another HR program, but here's the impact and the benefits and the, and the return on investing back into our people. So I, I want to encourage people listening into this. Even if you're doing that, tell people about it. If you're not doing that, Julie gave you some great examples for how to try to bring that into the talent practices you have so that, that becomes a priority because the research shows it's a critical piece, not just for engagement, not just for retention, but for leading to actual performance of the business. There's some great data out there to back those things up. Yeah, and it could be, you could even use it for your organization's own strategic advantage. We know we're going to need this skill in six months or a year. Somebody wants to learn new skills. Can I teach them this skill? Then now you have a, a bench of people who can help solve your problems that you're going to have tomorrow and, and that you've given them the experience and the opportunity. It works. It's two for one. <laughs> two for one. Love it. All right. If someone, everyone's probably enjoyed the conversation today. I know everyone has. I know I have. I've took a ton of notes, got a lot of great ideas from you, Julie. If someone is interested in learning more about Televerdi, they want to know more about what you and the team are up to, how the company works, all those good things. What's the best way for them to connect or connect with you personally? It doesn't matter to me which one that is, because I think you're probably there's some interest in both. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we definitely have a website, televerdi.com. We've got a lot of information about who we are, our business model, how we support our clients. And then there's also information just about our culture and how do we do business. So that's a great opportunity. We also have live chat and other things on there. If you're interested in knowing just a little bit more, if you want to reach me directly, you can certainly, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And it's just Julie Salamone, I think M-A-H-R. But the other thing, and you could email me as well, and it's just at televerdi.com. And I'm happy to connect. I love connecting with HR professionals, building a network. It has been instrumental during the pandemic. I can't tell you it's every time something else comes up, it's a group email. What are you doing? How are you doing this? 100% love to connect with people, either LinkedIn, or you can email me directly as well. Whoops. I'm sorry, Ben. I can't quite hear you. Sorry about that. That's good. Thank you so much, Julie for joining us today, for sharing your passion and your wisdom with us. And I, I'm so excited for the encouragement you're giving to the community that we don't have to just take this laying down. We can stand up and stand together with the rest of the leaders in the business and tackle this, this stuff that's coming towards us. So I appreciate you for hanging out with us. No, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. To everybody else, thanks for hanging out with us on We're Only Human. I appreciate you all for listening in and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com. 